Hi, my name is Laura Palatin. Welcome to the Practically Spiritual Show, where I share my life and experience as an intuitive empath, and we enjoy a lighthearted approach as we explore spirituality through a post-religious lens. In this episode, I will be reading a chapter from my book, Walk in Your Own Footsteps, entitled Expect Miracles. And then we'll explore this idea, the idea that miracles are happening in life all around us. And when we leave room for that in our lives, just amazing things can happen. So let's listen to the theme song. And then after, we'll get right into it. Welcome to the Practically Spiritual Show. Together we will learn, laugh, and grow. Break indoctrination, rise above our nation, and so Welcome to the Practically Spiritual Show. I'm really excited to share this with you. Chapter 1 expect miracles. You may think that to change your life would take a miracle. You may feel things have been going the same way for so long, only divine intervention could make a real difference. Or maybe you feel that you have no stability and some sameness would be a welcome break from frantic instability. Well, I have good news. Miracles happen, and I would encourage you to expect one. Miracles come in many forms. Some are spontaneous events that could not be foreseen or expected. Others are a combination of hard work and a person's refusal to accept a logical conclusion. Jason's miracle is an example of a person forging ahead toward a goal that would seem to be impossible. From a distance, I could see that Jason was an exuberant human being. For some reason, when he was at the home office of the corporation I worked for, the word got out. People would say to one another, did you know Jason's here today? I didn't meet him for the first six months I worked there. Whenever he came to the main office, he was surrounded by people, and I just never had a reason to talk with him. I could tell, though, that everyone who had the pleasure of talking with Jason walked away happier for the experience. Laughter surrounded him like a warm, sunny cloud. Don't get me wrong, he was very focused on his work. He was well-respected as a scientist, especially by some of the most accomplished scientists I knew. He just always made a smile and laughter part of his life. Later, I was to learn that Jason was just a little bit different from the other people in our office. You see, Jason had a spot of cancer on his tongue when he was in college. Although this first spot was removed with seemingly little ill effect, the cancer would return within a year. At that point, Jason went in for another surgery. Before he went under anesthesia, the doctors told him they could not predict how much the cancer had grown. So as he fell asleep, he didn't really know what to anticipate when he woke up. The doctors explained that they would be removing any part of his tongue that was affected by the cancer. When Jason awoke, he learned that his entire tongue had been removed you may not realize it, but the tongue is a very large muscle and reaches quite a way down the throat. To compensate for the removal of this huge muscle, part of Jason's chest muscles were pulled up and attached to his jaw, allowing him to open and close his mouth. Following his surgery, Jason was helped by many different therapists. He had to learn to eat because without a tongue, he could not swallow as he had before. 
He was not, however, sent a speech therapist. When he requested help in this area, the hospital sent in a person that explained that, without a tongue, he would not need a speech therapist because he would never speak again. Not being a person to accept limitations, Jason started his own speech therapy right that moment in his hospital bed. He used his vocal cords, teeth, and lips to begin working out a way to speak. Much to everyone's amazement, Jason created a viable way to communicate. Although not every word Jason says is exactly the way a person with a tongue would say it, he is undeniably understandable. This man with no tongue taught himself how to talk. This is the impossible becoming possible because one person did not accept the obvious. As I said, I didn't meet Jason for several months at work because we were not in the same departments and our work didn't overlap. When I did meet Jason, it was in a place you may not think of. I met my precious friend Jason at the first day of our company's Toastmasters International meeting. That's right. He placed himself in a position to speak in front of his coworkers. As Jason knew we would be interested in his unusual speaking pattern, for his first speech, he told us this story about his amazing experience. Imagine for a moment a man with no tongue joining a group dedicated to public speaking. Jason is a gifted and inspiring orator, and all of the members of our Toastmasters Club enjoyed his every trip to the lectern. In Toastmasters meetings, ribbons are given away for the best speech, impromptu talk, and evaluation. As a member of that Toastmasters Club, I can tell you that I knew I had stiff competition when Jason was speaking. Jason is an example of the impossible becoming possible because one person would not accept the obvious. When faced with challenges that overwhelm and intimidate us, it is helpful to hold close that such people as Jason live among us and are a constant witness to the power to overcome most any obstacle. I want to let you know that I did ask my friend Jason, not his real name, <laughs> if I could use his story for this book, and he was absolutely thrilled to know that his uh, his experience was going to go forward and inspire other people. So uh, this was not told without permission. There's a lot of things about his story that I think are are important. One of the reasons that I chose to use it in my book and, and why I think it's valuable to share here as well is because I don't think we realize how much we are informed by information that's given to us by other people, right? We are instructed throughout our lives what we can expect to be able to do based on somebody's opinion of us when we were very young, right? Starting with our parents who look at whether we walked early or whether we were very verbal at a young age, and they determine from these silly things if we're smart or not, if we're going to be gifted or not. If we sing happy birthday well at six, then we're encouraged to sing. And I can tell you, <laughs> I was not. Now, you can debate my singing ability, but I love it. It brings me joy. And when I share my songs with other people, I can see that they're enjoying themselves too and that they feel joy. And that is beautiful. If I refuse to explore that gift, even though I had a great calling to do so, just because I had received a message as a young person that I maybe wasn't the best singer in the room, 
I would have missed out on something really special. So I think in great and small ways throughout our lives, we are given these messages and we internalize them and they become things that we know about ourselves. And I really want to encourage you to question those. I want to encourage you to question those beliefs that you have about yourself because there's a very good chance that they're not true, that they didn't come from you, that you heard them or picked up on them from someone else, and then you made them part of your identity. And the reason that we do this is very logical, right? We want to protect ourselves from being hurt. We want to protect ourselves from the pain that comes from somebody looking at us and saying, oh, no, no, not you. You don't get to do that because that hurts our feelings. So we don't try, right? We get in our heads. Oh, we already know that's not for us. And now that we're living longer and longer lives, we have more opportunities to start over. It's kind of cool if you think about it. How many people historically have thought, and I know I've said this myself, what if you could go back to a time in your life when you had a lot of life ahead of you and a lot of opportunity to try different things? What if you could go back and do it again with what you know now? Well, since we're living so much longer, we kind of have that experience, right? We're not time travelers exactly, but we have more time, more time to explore, more time to start over. I'd like to tell you a story about a woman who was known as Grandma Moses. Grandma Moses had 10 children when she was a young woman. Only five of them survived past infancy. When she became an older woman, she began doing embroidery and needlepoint, and she loved creating beautiful pictures with thread. As she aged, she found that she was unable to hold the needle due to arthritis. And a friend said, well, you really love making pictures. Why don't you try painting? So at 78 years old, she started painting. I'm sure a lot of people would look at a 78-year-old lady who decided to start painting and say, ah, isn't that cute? But Grandma Moses was one of the most famous artists of her time. She continued exhibiting art all over the world into her 90s, and she was still creating art until months before her death at 101 years old. So tell me again that you're too old to start that thing that you've always wanted to start. I didn't write my first book until I was in my 40s. I bought my first guitar for myself for my 50th birthday present and started writing songs the same year. I have felt most of my life that I had a purpose here, and I felt that that purpose was to nudge humanity in a positive way. I don't know if that makes sense. I think there's a lot of people on the planet right now that feel the same way, that they're here as some people are trying to pull humanity into a dark, fear-based mentality, that there are also people here, light bringers, who are trying to nudge humanity toward the positive. And I've always felt that I'm on that team it's important for me to see it as a team, to know that I'm not alone, and that this is my little corner of the world where I can make a difference for a few people, and that the, the pressure of this whole <laughs> world is not on me, as long as I am doing my best to help in some way, then I'm doing my job. One of the things that I spoke about briefly in one of the other podcasts was about leadings, and that's where I follow 
what I feel called to do, even when it doesn't make sense. So I may feel like I need to call a friend or learn to play the guitar or take a job that doesn't necessarily make sense. I I actually had a job where they trained me how to use Photoshop and how to make websites. At the time, I thought, well, how on earth is this going to feed into my life's mission? But of course, I do those things now. I use Photoshop. I, I have websites for each of my projects. So it was an important step, even though I couldn't see it, and it didn't necessarily make sense at the time. I called a girlfriend out of the blue once just because I had this very strong leading to do so. And it turned out my friend was a was in a, a deep crisis, and it was very beneficial to a lot of people that I happened to follow that leading and make that call. It's been challenging, to be honest. There have been times when I felt like what I was doing wasn't reasonable, wasn't logical and selfish, maybe, to be collecting all of these skills that didn't seem to come together to coalesce into a mission that made sense to me. And it was only in the last few days that I really fully got a vision for how all of these things come together. And to be honest, it was a source of distraction. This fact that I couldn't see where all of the things I felt led to do could possibly coalesce into a logical, meaningful mission. And having that vision clear is really important to me and really, really good for me. So I'd just like to offer a little exercise to you. I don't know where you are in your personal journey. If you feel like you have a mission here, that you gave up being a free spirit, or maybe you don't feel like you gave up being a free spirit at all. Maybe you feel completely free. My goal is to help other people feel spiritually free, to be sure. That's a huge part of why I'm here. Spirituality has been hijacked by people who use it to control and manipulate, and I would like nothing more than to help a whole lot of people experience spiritual freedom. But no matter how spiritually connected you are, the difference of being in a body as a spirit and not being a body is that we do experience a sense of disconnect from spirit. The exercise I would like to propose is this. I want you to start right away. If you have already used up your day, then you can start thinking about how you'll implement this tomorrow. But don't let a lot of grass grow over this. It's not a big deal. Set your intention to notice a leading, a feeling, a tug at your heart to go someplace, to call someone, maybe to write a handwritten note and leave it for someone. Just something. Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Have you always wanted to write a poem? Today's the day to try one little thing, to step outside of your normal routine and try one little thing, and then be observant as to how that action has a result, has a positive outcome. I've heard them called glimmers, and that's a lovely word. Notice a smile. Notice an uplifted spirit. Pay attention for where your action has created a better feeling for someone else or yourself. Putting time into yourself, believe me when I tell you, Putting time in for yourself is valuable and important and wonderful and not selfish. So do that one thing, and then I want you to record it. Now, you can write it in a journal, but don't put off doing it because you got to get a fancy journal and a special pen. Make a note in the note section of your phone. 
make a journal in your computer, write it down on paper, type it on a typewriter. It really doesn't matter what means you use, but date it, write the action, and write the positive result that you found. And then do that again the next day, and the next day, and the next. And you will begin to see that you are creating the same kind of positivity in your life that Jason had in his, Grandma Moses had in hers, and I am sharing with you right now. And in this way, we will uplift ourselves and everyone around us, and we can all be a part of the team that is nudging humanity toward positivity. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you're interested in my book, Walk in Your Own Footsteps, I have a website for that, of course, W-I-Y-O-F, as in Frank, dot com. Or you can go to my website, laurapalatin.com. If you want to read a transcript for this podcast or listen to past podcasts, you can visit thepracticallyspiritualshow.com. And there you can see all of the transcripts because I post them there. I made a Facebook page for this project called The Practically Spiritual Show. I also have a page for myself and my art, Laura Palatin Artist. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Laura underscore Palatin. I would love to hear from you. If you have an episode idea or if something's on your mind that's really bothering you and you think that I could be helpful and that hearing about it would help other people, I would really like to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Practically Spiritual Show. There's no point in doing it if you're not there. And remember, there is no them. There is only us. Thanks for listening to the Practically Spiritual Show. I mean it. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end. It means so much to me. I love you. See you next time. Bye-bye.